We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Our podcast is recorded all over Australia and so we take this opportunity to ask people to reflect on the country they live on and the special places that they value. And so welcome back to the DEA podcast hosted by Kaya Ferguson and Karen English. Hello, Karen. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you. It's great to be back. It is great to be back. A joy as always. <laughs> so we have, we have so much to talk about this episode. So I'm going to jump straight into it mm-hmm. and ask you a question. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> have you ever had a time in your life where you've been particularly stressed and then for some reason you're somewhere and you notice something and then all of a sudden your stress has just disappeared. Mm. Yes, this has happened a lot. I think <laughs> I think it's been really good since I moved to the Sunshine Coast. Um, I live really close to Bribie Island and so it's really, really, I'm really lucky in that it's so easy for me to just jump in a kayak um, and head across and go explore around in the mangroves there. Um, but I think a real, I'm, probably one of the most recent and striking things that's happened was I was just coming off the end of a pretty stressful rotation um, and I hadn't had a holiday in about a year and I decided the first day of the holidays I organized to do the Kalula Great Walk which is up in the Sunshine Coast on Gubby Gubby Land Um, and it's a five-day hike did it on my own no phone reception and it was just so beautiful to only have the wind to listen to and just completely reset. Um, it was amazing. It took probably like two hours of walking around to just completely melt away all the stress that I had accumulated in the past 12 months. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. And then it took Such about two, remedy. yeah, it took about two hours when I went back to ED to reaccumulate all that stress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I'm actually, well, I'm really glad that you gave that example because mine's quite different. So um, the first time I ever had this experience, it was interesting. I was doing like an undergraduate medical group for women who were interested in going into medicine. We had an excellent facilitator mm. and she's the first person who introduced me into mindfulness meditation. Mm. And one session we started and she said, I want you all to tell us about a time that you felt in the moment during the last week. And it was really interesting because I was having a very stressful week. So I had an injury towards the end of um, my undergraduate degree, so I couldn't row at the time. Mm. And I was having a stressful day and I went over to a friend's place and they actually lived in essentially like a housing development. Mm. So it was very urban and I was having a stressful time and I heard this noise coming from a big shrub. I was like, (laughs) tweet, 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 tweet. And I was like, what is that? And so I went and I like peered through the branches and inside there was a nest and it had these baby birds in it. Oh, my goodness. And it was so cute. And I just, everything, like you said, I was just in the moment and it was fantastic and all the stress just disappeared. Oh, isn't that a beautiful story? Thank you for sharing that, Karen. Um, I think our listeners might be wondering what the hell – all of this has to do with human health and I promise you it will be abundantly clear in our interview today which we are very excited to present. Um, As a side note, our podcast as per usual is edited for clarity and brevity and we will be joining you after this break 
please enjoy these beautiful sounds that have been captured from Wombwin in New South Wales by the ABC. The full two-hour track of that recording is available on YouTube for anyone that would like to continue to listen to that. Um, welcome back. Karen. do you want to tell us about what we'll be talking about today? Well, today on the podcast, we have two special guests. So Dimity is a DEA member who's a GP, and she has a special interest in women and children's health and mental well-being, um, especially the relationship between our health and nature and how simply spending time in nature soothes us. So our listeners will be very familiar with her work with DEA on biodiversity. She's also co-founder of the Kids in Nature Network, whose signature event, Nature Play Week, highlights the value of time in nature for children's well-being and sees thousands of kids connecting with nature. And I definitely um, suggest checking it out because they have heaps of really great resources and we're going to put the link um, in the show notes. Awesome. Um, I'm really excited as well. We have Stephen Wells, who is a therapeutic horticulturalist, a nurse, a gardener, and a garden designer, and lots of other things as well. He wears a lot of hats. Um, Therapeutic horticulture involves many practices and techniques to improve the well-being of participants. And Steve will be telling us a little bit more about what it involves very shortly. So thank you so much. Welcome, Dimity and Steve. Thank you. Great to be uh, great to be here chatting with you. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we can't wait to dive in. So I think I'll just start with Dimity. So Dimity, would you tell us um, what are some of the positive impacts that the environment has on health? Um, and I think we'll be particularly interested in finding out about mental health, given how stressful this year has been. Thanks. Um, well, I'll step back a little bit and just um, remind everyone that um, nature provides the foundations for health. So obviously, clean water and air and um, healthy, stable climate and soils to grow our food in. And also, you know, many of our medicines, more than half of our medicines that we're using all the time have come from nature. So there are these big and complex ways in which nature supports our health. But what I'm particularly interested in is how just simply getting out into nature and spending time in nature can help support health and well-being. Um, there are, so there are a few uh, ways of uh, thinking about that. So we can think about the physical ways that um, nature supports health, mental ways or the emotional. And often, of course, all three are occurring together because I don't really think we can separate our, our mental health or our mind out from our body. Mm. Um, looking in at the uh, physiological ways, when we just get out, um, as you were, Kaya, uh, walking in the forest or walking along by the beach, um, physiological shifts occur in our body. So our heart rate will drop and our blood pressure and often our serum cortisol level will, will drop as well. And some studies have found with forest bathing, which is walking deliberately and slowly through a forest, can in- even increase the activity of the natural killer cells, which are certain white cells, mm. white blood cells. 
Um, from an emo- a mental point of view, um, being in nature improves our ability to concentrate and focus and re- has been found to reduce symptoms of ADHD in children. And emotionally, feelings of stress drop and um, also depressive rumination goes down. So we're more likely to feel happier and less less worried about life when we get out into nature. Oh, it's so beautiful to listen to this. I'm so excited that this is our topic on the podcast this month. <laughs> um, you, I think we needed it. Yeah, you, you spoke a bit about forest bathing. I was wondering if you could give us um, some examples of evidence-based practices that relate to nature that health professionals could possibly integrate into their care of their patients. And each other. And each other, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, because we're, yeah, we need to look after ourselves, particularly mm. at the moment, I suppose, when we're just coming through the pandemic and many health professionals are feeling pretty exhausted, particularly mm. those of us in Melbourne. We've just endured a very long lockdown. Um, so, yeah, so there's, I think... I guess what I would say is that there's a real range of ways in which we can incorporate it depending upon where we practice and how we practice. So for people working within hospitals, just um, bringing nature in or try and orienting uh, the view that we have so we get to look out a window or our patients get to look out a window is therapeutic with a very Mm. well-known older study showing that patients who'd had um, simple surgery, I think it was gallbladder surgery, just looking out on a natural view um, the patients who were able to do that um, recovered more quickly and required less pain medication and so went home more rapidly than patients who were just looking out at a concrete wall in an urban um, setting. Mm. So just uh, imagery of nature, nature sounds, and, of course, hospital gardens and um, you know more involved programs like um, Stephen will talk about in a moment, uh, such as therapeutic horticulture. They're all sort of things that can happen in a clinical setting. Um, when we get out into the community, which is where I work in general practice, um, again, we can be bringing nature into our into our practice, um, but we can also start to think about prescribing time in nature for our patients. So mm-hmm. some patients will be quite happy to, to be, be told they need to spend more time, and I often issue a prescription <laughs> to patients uh, if they're open to that idea. So we work together on trying to... I ask them where it is that they like to go when they're out to where do they like where their favorite place is to be in nature. So for some people, it'll just be sitting on their balcony looking at the sky or looking. One lady last week said she likes to look down at her neighbor's garden because it's very beautiful. And she (laughs) felt that she could spend 15 minutes a day just outside on her balcony, leaving the phone inside and um, just really paying attention to the, the nature that she could see. But then other people um, are more able to get out and perhaps go for a mindful walk uh, outside in, in a park or, um, or by the sea. So the evidence suggests that the richer the space um, of nature, the more beneficial it is, and particularly if there's water involved in that. And then some patients need even more instructions. They might need a facilitated experience, so a therapeutic horticultural experience, for example, or a guided forest walk. Or for adolescents, um, there's a, um, a type of therapy called bush adventure therapy where kids are taken out or adolescents are taken out for prolonged experiences and, you know, walks uh, in, in nature. So, you know, from that simple little exposure of just looking out onto nature right through to this deep immersion of prolonged experiences in a rich natural environment. Um, so 
any dose of nature is good and I guess the more the better. But what I often talk to people about is aiming for a green hour uh, a day and it doesn't matter how they get that really. Um, it might be just in, you know, five-minute blocks or one full hour but, um, but to try and get it um, throughout their day. Um, and I try to model that myself and so, for example, at work, it's so great to take the PPE off, PPE off and um, <laughs> go out for a walk at lunchtime and sit in the park. And um, I, I think I would make the point as well that it's about um, our intention and, and paying attention. So with intention, what I mean is when you go out into a park or sit by the sea, to be deliberately paying attention in a way that will evoke these sort of sense of awe or wonder or fascination. So mm. I kind of thinking about looking at it as if you were a child or if you'd never seen seen it before. So that sort of sense of peering into the bushes and 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 seeing the little birds, you know, like something that a child would do. Or you might really deliberately use your senses. So, you know, hug it, literally hugging a tree or taking your shoes and socks off and feeling the sand between your feet or between your toes, sorry, or the grass, the grass be, be, um, between your toes, or lying down on the ground under a tree and looking up into the canopy. So these ways of being a little bit playful, um, and a little bit childlike, and um, that they seem to be. So you're really kind of immersing yourself. So you've got this deliberate intention to try and evoke this sense of awe or wonder or fascination, but also um, you're mindful. So you're using all of your senses. There's definitely not the same benefits if you've got your headphones on and you're listening to a podcast power walking through a park. <laughs> it's not going to be as good for you as really being present and um, really trying to connect with the nature around you. Mm. Robert's fantastic. It's so amazing how much more you can notice too when you are really asked to pay attention. Um, Kaya, I don't remember if you came on this trip, but we had a DEA trip up um, – up on the scenic rim and one of our DEA members brought um, their child with them, mm. not really a child, just a teenager, and we were all asked to go and spend, I think it was 10 or 15 minutes, go and sit in our own little private spot mm. and just look around and take everything in. Mm. And when we came back, it was so funny because everyone had to share what they saw and she had seen a koala oh and it was just goodness. like if – if you hadn't been asked to go and do that and sit calmly and like take everything in, you just wouldn't have noticed. And so mm. not everyone's going to be able to see a koala, but I just think that even in urban environments, if you start paying attention, there's probably a lot more to see than we realize. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Steve, I wanted to hear a bit from you as well. You are a therapeutic horticulturalist um, and Dimini talked a little bit about that then. Could you tell us a little bit about what your work actually involves um, and the main approaches that you use in it? Certainly, Ken, but I, I think I'd like to just excitingly acknowledge that um, Dimity's doing green prescriptions. Like, I know. I've heard of that for a long time. <laughs> And not actually heard many doctors, GPs that are going, here's a green plan. What are you doing? So that's exciting. It is so exciting. Well done. I love that. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I have a bit of a mixed uh, bag of um, roles. Um, so I work as a therapeutic horticulturalist, mm. uh, but also as a gardens and grounds coordinator, which was 
in its original state, a gardens project officer, which was looking at ways to develop green spaces um, around our organisation, um, and for that to be specifically around uh, patient areas, uh, visitor areas and staff areas. Um, so the therapeutic horticulture side of it, I've been doing now uh, my setting for about uh, 17 years, mm-hmm. um, which has been really exciting because essentially... Um, it's about connecting patients with uh, the garden and gardening activities um, in, and I'm in a rehabilitation setting um, so that's where I work with people who have got strokes um, spinal cord injuries, acquired brain injuries uh, and other similar um, situations um, after coming from the acute um, setting so it's a, the next phase of their recovery um, so it's actually using utilising the garden and gardening activities as a, essentially as a tool to um, connect with people and tie in with the uh, treating team's goals mm. or goals for the individual. Um, and as Dimity mentioned before, I think it was you, that when we look at um, the, the context of that, it's not one sole focus. It's looking at uh, incorporating either the physical, emotional, psychological or social context of goals. Um, I'd love to say that what I do in the garden with people is the golden chalice, <laughs> uh, or the green chalice, I should say, um, and it's the cure-all. But um, but that's the reality is I'm part of it's part of um, the treating um, the whole treating team's uh, approach, which I think is good. So for me, for some patients, um, I'm uh, you know working on their goals either in, in individual sessions or group sessions. Um, basing myself with them either out in the garden amongst the greenery in the garden space, so out immersing ourselves into it, or uh, I have an indoor garden room as well that overlooks the garden and has plants in it, so it's physically a different space for people to work in and be connected with um, green life um, and plants. Um, I work with people who, for some, it's been their uh, life hobby or even a vocation for some, but for some, it's actually a new activity and they're looking at ways to engage following any of those circumstances they find themselves in mm. um, with life following that and what that might be. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that session might be working on some fine motor skills um, and um, some de- and addressing dexterity and or planning and processing skills, potting up, uh, propagating, um, what may seem and appear as a very simple approach or a thing to do, like putting potting mix into a pot and then putting it, taking a cutting and putting that into the plant uh, to that pot, actually has some quite um, relevant applications for the individual, mm. um, and and they are interconnected. So the aspect that it's not just about going, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do this five times. Can you put that? cutting into that pot five times because you're working on range of movement. It's not that at all. I'm a little bit of a, a fox in sheep's wool in some respects <laughs> um, because I don't, I'm not a very, I'm not driven by, I'm not focused on the prescriptive aspect of that. So I'm not explaining that. What I'm focusing on is um, the process of the activity and in doing that we're addressing some of those those uh, goal activities or uh, goal um, focuses. Mm. 
So we're working on the fine motor skill or one, two, three stage commands, or we may be working on some range of movement by once we're working with the pot and the plant, we're then putting it to the right of us, for example, on a tray. So we're actually working on some limb movement or some planning and processing skills. But indirectly, um, I'm not because I'm not a prescriptive approach, uh, often people will say that they're just coming to enjoy themselves in the garden. They don't see it as therapy, mm. but what they share about it afterwards is that they've really enjoyed the relaxed atmosphere. They've really enjoyed the, the seeing what they can do. Um, as I said, I'm very focused on, very keen to not, sorry, very keen to not focus on what they can't do because the individuals are very aware of what they can't do. My focus is on what they can do um, and often coming into the session and doing some um, activities with me, they realise that if they've got a um, significant impairment with one arm, they thought, well, I can't garden. I, I don't have two functioning arms. Mm. But by the end of the session, because of how we've, uh, how I've approached it with them and how they've seen that they can still do things with a reduced capacity, they then have this you know, change of uh, a mood and a change of, well, I can do things and I'm able to do things and then they're excited to come back. Um, or when their families come to visit, they're excited to say, come up into the garden with me. I want to show you what I did in my session. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so that's where it, it, it taps into both well, the, the multifaceted aspect of it, mm. of physical, emotional, psychological. Um, I, you know, I'm biased, but I do know that there are some people that <laughs> will be really positive about the experience and that has then had a flow-on effect as um, it does in other sessions, but they come and go, wow, that really made a difference. I didn't think that I would enjoy it, and here I am coming back, and I'd like to do this again, thanks. Mm, that's great. What are, um, Steve, what are some of the other um, practices that you use, for example, for people who aren't necessarily undertaking therapy programs? Um, it could be staff or visitors coming. Yeah, so I obviously the other aspect for me is the garden space. So... For me, one uh, arm of what I do is the working with people, um, but the other aspect of it is the creation of the gardens, um, and that's very much about very much about creating a therapeutic space. Um, and as you can all appreciate, hospitals and clinical settings have a certain you know feel about them that aren't overly uh, relaxing or calming or um, very much white and clinical and concrete and harsh. Mm. Um, and the garden space is the polar opposite of that. Um, so it really does change the, the, the experiences for visitors that come in um, and they've come to a hospital and they're thinking that it should be looking like a hospital and yet here's this interesting garden that's full of diversity and plants and spaces to sit. Um, and equally so for staff. Um, I'm very keen when I talk about what I do that it has a three-arm three approach. It's for patients, it's for visitors, and it's for staff. Um, and doing, doing, uh, creating the spaces like that um, really does make a difference for um, some of our patients' visitors and their loved ones. Um, I do recall an example of one lady whose husband had a um, significant um, acquired brain injury had to, he came to us um, at the acquired uh, brain injury unit, had to, he was still in post-traumatic amnesia. He still had to uh, learn how to walk again, talk again, 
she wasn't sure what function he would have and as very fortunately he got he made a fantastic recovery and yet she during that process she was incredibly stressed and she made the comment that she would really enjoy just coming into the garden before going in to see him on the ward Mm -hmm. and that would be her moment to just take a a breath and a relapse and just prepare herself for for going in because she wasn't sure where things would be at each day that she came in. Oh, that's so good to hear. You see the direct personal impact that it has. Yeah, I think I'm very very fortunate. I've created what we've got in place there and I still work there. So I get to see and hear um, and observe which is really uh, really exciting thing because um, it's one thing to put a put a garden in or to create that kind of a space, but a total another thing to be able then to observe um, and interact with those that um, see the gardens, mm, yeah, see the gardens, very special, and, and value them. Um, uh, th- I wanted to ask both Steve and Dimity. Um, it's been a very big year, and you're both based in Melbourne. What are some of the approaches that you've used on this topic um, really for helping health professionals get through such a hard time? Excellent. Um, actually, one of the little interesting things I did in the first week of, I think it probably was the first week of lockdown one, I deliberately put a little document together, took photos of all the garden spaces around the, the facility that I work at and sent a DL email to all of the staff and said, Good news, the gardens haven't been closed because <laughs> everything at that stage was everything's shut, everything's closed. Don't do this, don't do that. You can't go anywhere. But I was like, no, the gardens are still alive. And so this was back in March. So that was one thing, just to kind of remind people of because that was very much for all of us, but particularly here in Melbourne, more evident where it was the the, the heaviness of the situation was was really there and. Um, to have some positivity. But the other little interesting thing I did in collaboration with um, my clinical nurse educators was a, pro, a, a staff wellbeing session. So we started this at the first lockdown, but we've had, we then stopped it as we got into the second, and it was masks, face shields and everything, and minimising contact, so that's why we stopped it. But I... Um, the nurse educators observed that the new grads, so the new grad nurses who were starting effectively in COVID land, mm. that this was their first um, experience of being on, in the hospital as a as a, uh, a non so as an employee, not a student. They were all very stressed. Um, they would come to work. They were stressed. They didn't know whether they would get COVID at work. They didn't know whether they'd get COVID at home. They'd come to work, go to home, come to work, go to home, um, and life was very stressed, and they could see it. Um, so we started a garden session with them. Deliberately uh, told them it was a 45-minute session at the end of their the last hour of their work day and the morning shift, so they got all the busyness of the day out, um, came up to me. They weren't introduced or given me any background to me, so they were just coming up to see Stephen. Um, but the deliberate aim of the session was to give them an opportunity to engage with the garden and me in, in a session with the aims being about reducing stress, improving mood, having an appreciation of uh, gardens and their therapeutic value uh, for them and also patients, 
but giving them also a different perspective of rehabilitation with me coming in to say I'm a nurse, I'm a horticultural therapist and I'm a garden creator. Mm. Um, and also hear about what horticultural therapy was. Here, uh, the aim was also just to talk a bit about nursing life, what's it like starting a new career, what are the stresses, how are you coping, um, a bit of peer support for them. Um, but also then um, to provide a very positive, relaxing experience that would give them a bit of a chance to share their life, their lived experience of starting and do that with a peer. So that was pretty cool. That sounds so wonderful. (laughs) I wish that was mandatory everywhere. (laughs) Well, I do have a little bit of an excited, you know, I I am eternally the optimist with a tinge of reality, but I I sit now and go, oh, wouldn't it be great to just roll this out across the organisation and to have have others do it? Absolutely. No matter what the discipline is, Mm. but um, any healthcare professional. Mm. Dimity, do you have any thoughts? Uh, Well, it's hard to say with other staff because um, I guess what happened in the second lockdown working in general practice is we did have to minimise contact with one another. So there Mm. was you know, not really wanting to spend time in the staff room, for example, and talking to peers but talking from a distance and with our stuff on. So it was it's all kind of a very strange experience. Um, for me, um, I cycle to and from work and so that was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and also getting out and to, you know, to get into the park myself at, at lunchtime and just sort of sit and breathe <laughs> uh, fresh air um, even though I still obviously had a, a cloth mask on though not an N95 and mm. you know just um, taking the the nature around me was great uh, I did quite a lot of telehealth we did a lot of telehealth here in Melbourne and I did spend some time uh, working from home which was a different way of working and um, so that was there were other challenges with that, of course, spending a lot of time sitting in front of a screen. Uh, so mm-hmm. trying to make sure that I, I went for a bit of a, a walk outside to at least sort of see the sky and, and also consciously bringing um, plants into my home office. And yeah. um, in my in my practice at, at work, in my consulting room, I have, you know, pot plants and um, I always bring some flowers in from home. And uh, at the start of the year, actually just before we went into the um, pandemic, um, I had spoken at work about climate change and health and also the interface between health and our natural environment. And so the practice owner had gone out and got very enthusiastic and bought a whole lot of indoor plants. So actually having indoor plants throughout the practice has, I think, helped, you know, (laughs) Mm. Uh, because it's certainly taken away some of that sterility that we we do see um, in most practices I think you know not very many practices have living plants in them <laughs> so so that was lovely and I think people enjoyed that absolutely I think it would help with anxiety as well because so many people sitting in a GP practice waiting room you can feel the anxiety in the air I feel mm. like having some plants yeah. around would definitely help with that I think it, you can never have too many indoor plants agreed <laughs> Yes. As long as they're living, they need to be looking healthy. Yes. Otherwise, it's very depressing. That's true. That's very true. Very true. Lucky you're there, Dimity. Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I was going to say it's been on a similar note. It's been nice to see that newer hospitals are starting the way they're being built, starting to take into some of these things into account. Um, I work up on the Sunshine Coast and. 
the SCU or the Sunshine Coast University Hospital is a relatively new hospital, which I think was really built with a lot of this in mind. All the patient rooms have big windows that face out and overlook gardens and the water system. And they've built like essentially a miniature parkland in the center of the hospital with like green grass and a playground and plants everywhere. And it looks up at the sky. Um, and we had some baby, what were they called? Some kind of bird of prey. It wasn't a hawk. I can't remember, but there were two chicks that had come to nest in that central area as well. And so we had Australia Zoo coming every day and being like, no one disturb the chicks. And it was, <laughs> it was really beautiful. That was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it That's so, so much. Good. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> it's really nice to see compared to like a lot of the fantastic. old school hospitals in cities that are very gray concrete getting bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger um that's kind of what i'm working in at the moment yeah <laughs> i think that's where we have the chance to be optimistic about change mm. in health is the newer facilities where they adapt absolutely um, and take on those that knowledge yeah and there's oh, so much absolutely. great evidence base now to show that it has better patient outcomes as well and it makes sense even just from an economic point of view for the hospital to do I that. Bet. So. And also probably reduce staff turnover if your staff are more relaxed yeah. and having somewhere they look forward to coming to work. Yeah. Um, so putting Steve on the spot a little bit, but we thought we might wrap up with kind of like a semi-guided example of what you might recommend to a healthcare professional who's just walked out those sliding doors and is in the great outdoors. <laughs> Could you go through what you would suggest doing to try and immerse yourself in nature and feel a bit better? Certainly can. I think the first thing I would do, and this is what I encourage with the session, is to put the phone on silent and put it in your pocket and don't touch it. Um, and then immerse yourself. So what I do with the guides, um, the session starts, is just to encourage people to go for a wander, uh, to not talk to anyone, to spend time um, in solo engagement with the garden space, uh, taking the time to stop and look at some finer details, to slow one's pace as they're doing it, um, and to stop, actually touch some plants, connect with the plants, feel the texture, feel, um, the, the, look at the size of the plant, the leaf, engage with the flowers. So just that essentially bit of mindfulness, but deliberate engagement. Um, we touched on that before, Dimity, about the, the awe and amazement. Um, the reason I like to start and say it like that is that at work and often in life, the, our pace is very quick. We walk, we go, we're going from point A to point B, that's what we're doing. But in the context of stopping and slowing and looking, um, it actually changes our um, our experience and our immersion of that sp in that space. Um, so then I often will just encourage people to uh, meander through the garden space or through a space. If they feel the opportunity is there just to stop and stand, or to take a seat. Um, in doing that, I would then encourage people just to stop and look around them. Observe whether there's a wind coming, observe if there's sunlight, observe if there's shade, observe if there's the sound of 
the wind through trees, or the birds in the bushes above and all around, and just to take that experience and enjoy just stopping to hear that um, would be the first thing. That's how I'd engage people to get into the space. Um, and then when the time's right to, to step out of it, then I would um, encourage people to uh, just take the opportunity to reflect on what they've just observed. Mm. Thank you so much, Steve. That was beautiful to listen to. That is great. I need to go outside now. I've got my head torch ready to go. <laughs> I, um, I, I, was, I went on Steve's website to look at what he does and I saw an article about how you go outside to enjoy the garden in the dark. <laughs> I realized oh, yeah, was... why, because I before this podcast recording, I was sitting on my front porch drinking a glass of wine, immersing myself and I was watching these beautiful bugs fly past, and then I go, ooh, there's an onion weed I haven't pulled up. <laughs> I realise I need to go in the garden in the dark when I can't see the weeds. <laughs> well, yes, that is a very good point. And just look at the stars. Because as a gardener, it's the, the, the challenge is the moment of going, ooh, I'll just get up. Oh, there's oh, that yeah. I need to do. Oh, I'll just need to go and move that pot. Or, oh, there's a weed. Or I, do, I, just, I need to water those pots. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I really like the idea of um, a lot of the focus of the conversation is being about making that intentional time to go and engage and that's the purpose. It's not to go outside and do weeding or be busy, it's just to slow things down. So I think that's something I'm definitely going to take on board. I think that has been the good thing in COVID is that lots of people are starting to do outdoor activities because there's nothing else for them to do. That they are. It's the right time. I think I heard the other day that um, with everyone being interested in gardening and mm. vegetable produce, mm. uh, one of the seed companies, I think, uh, sold about five years' worth of seed. I'm not surprised. I remember going to Bunnings because we wanted to start a worm farm and there was it was like the apocalypse had hit and everyone had started apocalyptic <laughs> gardening and there was no seeds, no seeds for any vegetable, no, no worms. There was nothing. I was like, what is happening? Like, Yep, it's the end of oh the world. Goodness. Yep. I love it though. Yeah, I love actually, it. <laughs> I have to say that has been one of the gifts that I have sent my family in Melbourne is seeds. Yeah. Excellent. Well <laughs> <Yes>. done. <laughs> yes. And thank you on behalf of your family for for sending care packages. It's a very, as a Melbourne, a Melbourne yeah. that's a very... Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, Appreciated thing. The other thing that's been quite nice is um, because they closed all the playgrounds here for Mm. quite a long time. And um, so, you know, the children, they would be outside, but they couldn't be on the playground equipment. So, therefore, they were engaging in nature play often. So, you you know, near me, they would be climbing trees or making little cubbies in the bushes or mm. um, scrabbling through the water at the edge of the creek, you know, so that sort of old fat or riding their bikes around yeah. groups of kids riding their bikes. So I think a whole generation has learned how to ride a bike Absolutely. that otherwise would have missed out, you know, cause they would have been at organized sport or, yeah. you know, being driven oh. somewhere. So yeah, there are some, yeah, there's definitely some positives that have come, come out of this time for yeah. us down here. Definitely. I was so looking I was looking at your website as well, um, the Kids in Nature Network website, and I didn't know yeah. about 
like the bush groups for kids that exist. Mm. And I was looking at some of the ones in the local area up around the Sunshine Coast. Oh my God, they do amazing things. I want to go and join on some of their days. <laughs> I, know. I know. And actually because of the, um, because of the pandemic this year, we uh, had to change totally nature play week because mm. uh, normally we would have a launch event with lots of people present and yeah. so forth but so instead every day for the 12 days we released a like a, a sheet of different ideas for parents and um, the most popular one was the night backyard camp out oh that's and great. um yeah th- <laughs> thousands of families in, um you know pitched the tent in the backyard and had their kids out you know camping in the garden so Cute. um yeah so it, it really you know, people were able to still, you don't have to go somewhere exotic or somewhere a long way away. You can really just connect with your space where you are. And mm. I think that's what a lot of us have learnt that, you know, it, it's not a matter of going somewhere special necessarily. It's just a matter of looking differently and really um, paying attention to where you are in a, in a, in a way where you're really going to notice, um, yeah. you know, that as, as Steve was saying, the texture of the leaves or um, the the smells around you or the sounds yeah um, and it can be very relaxing to engage in that way absolutely one other point I was going to mention Kaya with you talking about your walk is that there's a mm. researcher in the states um, David Strayer I think his name is and he talks about the three-day effect and that so when you go on these prolonged bushwalks it's usually the mm. after the third day where you get the clearing of the mental windshield he, um, like the windscreen um you know, where it kind of drops away, all that sort of stress. I mean, I know it only took you two mm. hours, but he, he was describing that, was that so the good. groups that he takes, it takes a longer, you know, three days. But, um, and then people are able to engage more, you know, their creativity and all those sorts of um, yeah. different aspects of our, of our thinking change. Absolutely. So. Wow. Oh, well, it's been so lovely having both of you on the podcast. Yeah, it was lovely to see you both. it's fantastic thank you for joining us this was such a heartwarming podcast as well it's so nice to talk about nice it's like an antidote to climate change (laughs) and ecological destruction absolutely (laughs) (laughs) well said a little lighter yes (laughs) thank you for uh inviting us along it's been great to uh to share with you and chat